0: This week, while Congress was doing their impeachment stuff, they did prove they can hold two ideas and get things done anyway by going through some bills and passing a deal that offered up family leave for basically everyone and creating the Space Force that Donald Trump really, really wanted. Although I can talk Space Force and not for the good for days, that's not what we're talking. That's the story at 11, the cutoff for this week. So everything above that are the stories that you really, truly cared about this week. We only deal with the stories, as per you, that are in the top 10 to prove what is truly conversational. And we'll get into those in just a moment here on the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending December the 14th, 2019. And welcome to the show. I am the Jay Cleveland Payne who gives you the weekly wrap up every week brought to you by The Conversation Project and this is Conversation.com. Thank you so much for being with us for this podcast. There's so many things that you could be doing right now, and oddly enough, because you're a podcaster or listen to a podcast, you're probably doing it while listening to this podcast, so we appreciate that. We'll give you a good bit of time to do a good bit of things and get some information in for the week. Now, this podcast celebrates you. It's work that you basically do, and it's very simple work, actually. What you do is you follow our social media feeds for The Conversation Project. On Twitter, you follow TH underscore conversation. And on Facebook and Instagram as well, you follow This Is The Conversation. What you do is every day as you check in with your feeds on various things, just see what's popping up in our feed. And if a story that you see there is interesting, we like you to read it because that means you really are into it. But like it, love it, hate it, share it, be engaging with the story. And the more engagement that you give to a story... The higher score gets at the end of the week when we do this here countdown thing. Oh, I said we only deal with the top 10 stories. That's not quite true. We'll also go through the bottom five stories at the very bottom. to Give you some contrast on what stories didn't quite make it into the list by by leaps and bounds, actually. And we're seeing some new things in our new way. We're formatting things. We're finding out that more stories uh, towards the bottom aren't just at the very end of the week in the posting. Uh, they're just are stories that don't get a lot of love. Now, these stories go from Friday midnight-ish to Friday 6 a.m. ish uh, when our countdowns are cut off so there are chances that stories that come in very early can stick around for a full week that doesn't happen very often but we'll see sometimes that some things happen overnight that are really blowing up breaking news turn into stories that continue all week long and stick around for the entire week. You can comment on anything you want to. All the links to all the stories that we talk about will be at the website, this is the conversation.com. Click on the link for this week's podcast. Podcast week ending December 14th, 2019. This program is powered by you, so if you want to help power things out, feel free to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash this is the conversation. And you can just buy me a cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash J Cleveland Shoutouts to folks that gave us love throughout the week as well, coming up. But let's get into the countdown. The new stories that you cared about the most, counting them now from 10 to 1 here on this week ending December the 14th, 2019. Story number 10 is a story that we've been following for a while. Singer Kylie Ray died in a car crash months ago. Uh, but we know more details about the incident as time goes by and we get more chances to really go deeper into it. Singer Kylie Ray Harris was impaired before death. That is the headline coming from USA Today that we posted on Friday, the 6th of December. Uh, this story gets what we call a bumper response. That means more people were responding to this one than the cutoff story, the one at 11, of 6.06%. A few lines from the article from USA Today. Texas country singer Kylie Ray Harris was legally impaired by alcohol and was driving 95 miles per hour when she and another driver were killed in a three-vehicle crash on a rural highway on September 4th, a northern New Mexico sheriff said Thursday. toxicology testing showed Harris had a blood alcohol level of 0.28%, which is over three times the legal limit for impaired driving, Tiles County Sheriff Jerry Hogreeve said in a statement Thursday. Onboard computer data also indicated that Harris was driving 102 miles per hour before the crash. The other driver killed in the wreck, 16-year-old Tiles High School student Maria Elena Cruz, had no alcohol in her system, the sheriff said. Hoggrew previously said investigators believe Harris was impaired and that the speed was another factor in the crash. Investigators believe Harris clipped the back of another vehicle, sending her into oncoming traffic and a head-on collision with an SUV driven by Cruz, Holgrew said. The driver of the third vehicle was not seriously injured. More details, as we said, at the listing at our website. This is the conversation.com, the listing for this week's podcast, which is for 12, 14, 2019, December 14, 2019. And all links for everything are in here. This is a very sad story that we have been following for quite some time. This is one that a lot of you guys have paid a lot of attention to over the months. And now we have what we hope is the final resolution to this story. We've talked a lot lately about disturbing behavior in teenagers and in school-age kids and things that are going on and how we can sort of fear for what's going on in high school these days. But younger people, not quite, maybe more young at heart than young by age, are still doing extremely crazy, extremely dangerous things as well. Check out headline number nine this week. California man arrested for posting videos online of mass shooting practice. This story came from NBC News' website. We posted it on Sunday, the 8th of December. This gives a bumper response, very slight bumper response from the 10th story of 0.95%. A little bit from the NBC News story. Here it goes. A San Diego County man is in police custody after posting graphic videos on YouTube where he appeared to be practicing a mass shooting, police said. Stephen Homoki, 30, was arrested on Thursday on suspicion of possession of an assault weapon, possession of high capacity magazine, and child endangerment, San Diego police said in a statement Friday. Authorities received a tip about Homoki of Spring Valley, California, on Monday concerning videos he posted online. The tipster reportedly said Homoki had, quote, gone off the deep end, unquote, and said he had a plan in place, according to NBC San Diego. In the videos, Homoki is seen in a San Diego hotel room with several guns, magazines, and bullets. The video, obtained by NBC San Diego, appears to show Homoki loading the guns, crawling on a bullet-strewn floor, loading guns, and pointing weapons at pedestrians out the window. In one moment, Homoki pulls the trigger on the unloaded rifle pointed at pedestrians and said, "One down, more to go." San Diego's Joint Terrorism Task Force began investigating the video after the tip, when it, which it tied to Homoki. Authorities said they obtained a search warrant for his home where he was arrested Thursday and where they have seized several firearms. As we said, the dangerous things that people in general doing today, not just young apparently, even older people, uh, are showing our signs of just the weirdness of our times. Whether we need more mental health work going on, whether we just need to give more hugs. I don't know what the fix to this is, but this is something that's very serious. This story Extremely disturbing, and one that you guys also found disturbing enough to put it in line for something to talk about this week. At number eight, here's your headline of one of two stories this week that had to deal with the Tesla truck, and we'll explain why we put them both in there in a little bit. But this story at number eight reads like this. Tesla's electric ATV should launch at the same time as Cybertruck. Also posted Sunday, the 8th of December, a slight bump response from this one from the eight from the nine to the eight of 0.94%. Let's get a little bit of the story here. This one was pulled off of Engadget.com. Tesla has said precious little about its Cyber Quad electric ATV, but it's now sharing one of the most important details, when you can expect to get one. Elon Musk told Twitter followers that Tesla was planning to release the ATV at the same time as the Cybertruck or late 2021. Pricing performance and other details are still unknown, but you won't be d- deprived of electric off-roading if you're an early adopter. We're going to get to more about the Tesla the Tesla Cybertruck in a bit because there's a second story involving it that really does tie into this one. I decided this week not to make it a super story and combine the two to make them two separate stories. Figured, why not? Elon Musk has done a lot of stuff this year, so let's give him a little extra love this week by giving him two stories that are extremely similar, tied to a similar thing, but have two different outcomes, if you will. Let's read you the story at number seven now. Georgia man Tommy Calloway identified as runner who slapped TV anchor. Tuesday, the 10th of December, this day we posted that one. This is a story that's a bit more complicated. If you took it into context with the original headline that we posted to make sure that you got the gist of it and got a good look at it, which was runner who slapped reporters but on live TV identified as youth minister. That's a bit more catchy, I would think. The story, by the way, gets a bump of response from the number eight story of 46.26%. Let's tell you what the New York Post had to say about this story. The runner who slapped the TV reporters behind is a local youth minister who claims he wants to, quote, correct the situation, unquote, while the journalist on the receiving end of his hand says he, quote, hurt me both physically and emotionally. There you go. Tommy Calloway was identified as a Savannah, Georgia 10K racer who slapped WSAV TV's anchor Alex Bojervin, after online salutes found him thanks to his race number shown in the photos. Calloway is a youth group leader in this church, Pittman Park, UMC, as well as a Boy Scout leader, according to The Heavy, based on social media sites that he quickly took down as he was outed and banned from future races. His lawyer, Joseph Turner, called him a loving husband and father who was very active in his community, that's a quote, the local and local church, insisted that he was working with those involved to correct the situation that quote as well we while we regret the situation mr callaway did not act in any criminal intentions also from the lawyer speaking on cbs tvs this morning on tuesday boljarin confirmed that callaway quote did try to make contact unquote with her to say that quote i get tired doing this, but that's what happened his intentions were not to hurt me he didn't intend to do it I'm not going to really debate that, because he did hurt me, she insisted of the slap that she said was a, had a pretty heavy impact. He separates himself from the runners, and he kind of winds up, and he hit me hard, she said. He helped himself to a part of my body, she added, saying it left her in disbelief, and it inuated with some female guilt because of some of the harsh online comments suggesting she was at fault. This is a much deeper story than that little line and little kind of quippy headline is and you can see all over the place where he tries to apologize and she tries to explain what's going on and the lawyer tries to make it in lawyer ease and it gets really, really, really deep, really quick. This is one you can search online for lots of different commentary ways that it was discussed or go to our website. This is dot Click the link for this week's podcast for December the 14th, 2019. The link to this story, which has a little more about what happened in this aftermath is there as well let's keep things moving though moving on to a story that saw a lot of love from you guys on the facebook this is our top facebook story of the week at number six and this is you guys showing a lot of love for a person who uh, entertained and also made a lot of people fear him over his lifestyle here's the headline leon spinks hospitalized boxing legend fighting for his life This was posted on Wednesday, the 11th of December. As I said, the top Facebook story this week, the total bump in response from the number seven story is 5.11%. Here's a little bit from the headline story that we pulled. We got it from TMZ. Boxing legend Leon Spinks, who famously beat Muhammad Ali in 1978, is fighting for his life in a Vegas hospital, TMZ Sports has learned, and his wife is asking for prayers. Details surrounding the 66-year-old's condition are unclear, but we know his family and friends are very concerned. In fact, Leon's wife, Brenda, went to social media saying, reaching out to ask, you kindly send some prayers out for my beautiful husband, Leon, so that he may overcome the obstacles that have crossed his path. Spinks has fought back from serious medical situations in the past. He was hospitalized in 2014 after a piece of bone from a chicken wing caused major damage to his intestines. The boxer underwent several surgeries and spent weeks recovering at a rehabilitation center. Spinks is a boxing legend. He was inducted into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame in 2017. His 1978 victory over Muhammad Ali to win the heavyweight championship of the world is widely considered one of the greatest upsets in boxing histories. Spinks is also a military veteran who served in U.S. Marines from 1973 to 1976. TMZ added an update at 6 a.m.-ish around that time. On the 12th of December, saying that a spokesperson says that uh, they gave a statement to TMZ saying that Leon Spinks is in hospitalizing care of a great team of doctors, and they are hoping to see what would happen, but the family was asking for privacy for Spinks at the time. We are praying for you, champ. We're thinking about you, and we want you to stick around a little bit longer because a lot of people still need to hear those stories about what you've done back in the ring and throughout your career, uh, going past other things as well. So, we are thinking and praying about here at the conversation with Leon Spinks, and hopefully, you guys are thinking about him as well. You thought enough about him to make him the number six story this week. So, I'm believing you're adding those positive vibes as well. The number five story is a continuation of the saga that is the Tesla Cybertruck. Here's your headline that we're using for that one. You can camp in it too. Tesla just unveiled a new trailer, an outdoorsy config for its Cybertruck. The story was released on Tuesday, the 10th of December. And it got a bumper response of 7.29%. Two separate stories about the Cybertruck doing outdoorsy things. And here is some from this story. We pulled the actual text from Yahoo News, the lifestyle edition, of course. It's been a few weeks since Elon Musk shattered expectations with his polarizing polygonal Cybertruck, and the shocks keep coming. The Tesla CEO has revealed there's a new ultra-tough trailer in the works, as well as another Cybertruck configuration designed specifically for camping. Musk said that Tesla is planning a, quote, sick attachment for the Cybertruck, unquote, According to electric, and the marquee subsequently released a new render of electric pickup truck with its own trailer. As you would expect the Cybertruck's singular monoplane design extends into trailer and it's just as curve averse as it looks on the Cubist take on the airstream. It's just an exterior rendering. So both layout and interior features remain a mystery for at least for now. So what you need to do, And you need to kind of look at it because the pictures of the camping configuration has a grill attached to the truck and a temp and it's all kind of weirdness. Go to the website. Listen, go to the website, this is the conversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast. Of course, that is December the 14th, 2019. The two stories in question are the story at number eight. That's the pictures of the ATV, and the story at number five, which is the camper and the new camping configuration for the Cybertruck. All kidding aside. Elon Musk is going to make this thing into something that's useful it's because what you're paying for it is going to be a whole lot of money. So whether it actually turns into something that the consumers want to use is another issue. But he's going to put as many things in this thing to make it as cool as possible so that people will actually put an eye to it. We'll see if this is one of the deals that gets him the last laugh or if people keep laughing at some of the Tesla offerings that have been happening lately. Let us keep moving now to the number four story. This one gets into college football, and it's topical because it's the top four teams in the nation set to play in the college football championship. Your headline for four, number one, LSU gets Oklahoma, Ohio State to play Clemson in college football playoff. Sunday, the 8th of December, the date we posted that with a bumper response of 4.82%. In that one. Now, if you've been following your football season all season long, you've noticed that the big stories this year, of course, are the fact that Alabama is out of the playoffs and there was some last minute kind of maneuvering to see who made its way in. We know what's going to happen. A quick rundown of what's happening is LSU is taking on Oklahoma, they're to number four, so the two and three will be Ohio State and Clemson. The number one and four will meet in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. That's in Atlanta. The number two and three are going to meet at the PlayStation Festival in Glenda, Arizona. And when it's all said and done, the college championship will take place on December 28th at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. Moving on to the story at number three this week, your headline. Snapchat cameo brings deep fake tool to social media app. Sunday, the 8th of December, a lot of Sunday stories this week, keeping through, is when this was posted. And it get a bumper response. It gets a bumper response. Proper grammar sometimes works out. A uh, 14.59%. Our source is USA Today. Let's get you a little bit of how they wrote this up and what this really means. Snapchat is adding a feature that basically allows you to deep fake yourself in a video or GIF for fun. The feature was first spotted by Snapchat users in France who received the test version of the tool over the weekend. The latest edition is the app is called Cameo, Snapchat said in a press release on Monday. With Cameos, you can become the star of short looping videos that you can customize with your own face, Snapchat said. They're great for striking up new conversations or making responses to your friends' personal ta- and dynamic fun. Based on screen captures posted by people on Twitter, Cameo uses selfie to plaster your face on a digital body. The feature has a similar look and application to Bitmoji, except more realistic. It's rolling out globally on December 18th with over 150 variations to choose from. Cameo will also be embedded in the chat sticker bar once a new feature is live in the U.S. You get to choose the body you'd like your face to appear on, and Snapchat will use IEI to manipulate your face into displaying different emotions and expressions. If your friends set up Cameo... You will see options that feature the two of you together, and many can include your own text. Deepfake technology would be relatively new frontier for this app, though. It would further differentiate Snapchat from its rivals Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. The technology which has been used to transpose celebrities into pornographic videos, has come under criticism because it could be used to maliciously produce fake political videos. Still, Snapchat has been hard at work developing new filters and add-ons to keep the platform interesting for teens and young adults who are constantly on the hunt for new creative ways to interact with their peers. So, there you go. If you want to get in with the deep fake stuff and are a big Snapchat user, then soon, so very soon you'll be able to put your face into your snaps and go from there, or maybe do something even more nefarious. As you always say, we ask you to use your powers for good, not evil, but your mileage will always vary. The number two story this week is heartbreaking. It's uh, causing a whole lot of hand wringing right now over issues of anti-Semitism and, of course, issues on just guns in general. We always get that in these things. But it's going to take a couple of days to kind of really figure out what exactly went down in the entire situation even though this story happened on tuesday we posted essentially real time on tuesday the story with the updated headline is six killed in new jersey gun battle including police officer ap news is our source for this tuesday the 10th of december is the day we posted it a bumper response from the number three story of 111 percent that much more response to this one this was a real time thing going on so a lot of things popping up on twitter However, a top story is a top Twitter stories, but this was a real time issue for a lot of people going through it. And as we said, because a lot of people were focused on impeachment, a lot of things, these type of nature things are real time. It's going to take a little while to unpack exactly what it is we're going to see in this story. But for what we have for right now, here's what we have. Six people, including a police officer and three bystanders, were killed in a furious gun battle Tuesday that filled the streets of Jersey City with the sound of heavy fire for hours, authorities said. The dead included the two gunmen, Jersey City Police Chief Michael Kelly said. The slain officer, Detective Joseph Seals, 40, was credited by his superiors with having led the department in the number of legal guns removed from the streets in recent years and might have been trying to stop an incident involving such weapons when he was cut down by gunfire that erupted near a cemetery, authorities said. The shooting then continued at a kosher supermarket about a mile away where five more bodies were found, Kelly said. Authorities believe the Jewish market was targeted by the gunmen, New Jersey Mayor Stephen Fulop tweeted Tuesday night. Fulop, whose public safety director said earlier in the day that the terrorism wasn't suspected, did not elaborate on why the authorities now believe the market was targeted. Message were left Tuesday night seeking comment on Fulop's tweet. I'll go deeper into this one right here and go quickly because my commentary is usually safe for the first story. But here's what we know about this one a few days past, as we record this, a few days past when this actually happened. The group that attacked the officer and shot up the Jewish market are aligned with a group known as the Black Hebrew Israelites. And even though that sounds like it's pro-Jewish, the group has some very serious anti-Semitic and very big hatred for essentially jews in general and it's a it's appalling it's weird It's it doesn't make any sense uh but this whole attack is as it plays out and as it's being played out in the backwardsness of an actual investigation is showing the neighborhood jersey city which is extremely diverse in all ethnicities and how much worse this thing could have been uh just feet away from this jewish store was a Jewish school. And there's also other ethnic things that are around By ethnic, I just mean different ethnicities. Uh, Jersey City and South Jersey City, where this basically happened, is a very diverse neighborhood. The mayor is actually Jewish. And so he understands what anti-Semitism comes down to. And this is something that he initially called anti-Semitism. The terrorism part is still sort of the up in the air. But in some cases, black Hebrew Israelites have been known to do things that have been listed as under the spectrum of terrorism uh, based on various groups and how they organize things. So we are, of course, all sending out thoughts and prayers to the folks going through this thing here. And we just have to basically wait and see what the actual deep details come from the entire investigation. The number one story came as a shock to me, especially how quickly people responded to it. Uh, I guess more or less because it's not something that I normally follow very heavily until playoff time, and this is dealing with hockey. Uh, There were two big firings in the world of the NHL this week. We only covered one of them, the first one, but this one was apparently the right one to cover. Uh, Here is your headline. Oh, nope, stats first. We must do the stats. Uh, Tuesday, the 10th of December is the date we posted this story, this was the biggest Twitter story, as we've already teased a few times throughout the morning. It gets a bumper response from the number two story on the officer shot in Jersey City during a standoff of 38.84%. A bumper response from the number 10 story, that's Kylie Ray, the singer Kylie Ray uh, Harris being impaired before her death in her car crash, that bumper response of 492%. And a bumper response from the very bottom of the list this week, which is story 216, we will tell you that headline in a bit, but it's more responsive by that story by 12,340%. Now your headline. Dallas Stars fired Jim Montgomery, quote, due to unprofessional conduct. Our source for this is TSN, which is essentially a Canadian version of ESPN. I hope I'm not uh, you know, discounting my Canadian friends who listen to the podcast, but that's where we got it from. Uh, as you said, we posted this on Tuesday, so it lasted quite a while to be the very top, and it was a very big explosive story on the Twitter. As I said, there were two stories this week about big firings in the NHL. We're not talking about the other one. We're just talking about this guy right here. So here we go. The Dallas Stars fired second-year coach Jim Montgomery on Tuesday for what the team called unprofessional conduct. General Manager Jim Nill said Montgomery had acted inconsistently with, quote, Core values and beliefs of the Dallas Stars and the National Hockey League, unquote. He did not elaborate on what those core values were. I added a little bit uh, to that one. Nil said he became aware Sunday of an act by Montgomery and the decision to fire him came after an internal investigation that included discussions with the team's general counsel. Nil said that it was not because of a criminal act, had no connection to players, past or present, and didn't involve another employee or the team. Nil, who hired Montgomery, called the incident a total surprise. You can go deeper into the story, which doesn't really go deeper into what's going on, other than go into who's filling the shoes for Montgomery for a while and how things are going to be interacting with the team by going to our website, thisisaconversation.com, clicking the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, December the 14th, 2019, and go deeper into this story or search more online. If you're a hockey fan, you probably know more about this than I do. This was a story, like I said, Didn't really gin much interest in me, but it was something that popped up as a viable news story. I put it in there, and yes, this one lasted quite a while with a lot of Twitter following quickly because a lot of people cared about this one. You probably saw this popping up inside of the email newsletter we have every Monday through Thursday where we go through stories from the previous few days and tell you which ones are trending enough, which may be top stories come Friday through the weekend. But this is one. That caught me by complete, total surprise. This is one I had no idea would be in the wheelhouse, what's going on. As I says, even though this is a a, a United States story because the Dallas Stars are in Dallas, hockey is a global sport, NHL hockey, followed by millions around the world. And while more teams seem to be in the States than in Canada these days, it basically is Canada's game. So we'll let you have hockey because we stole basketball from you or something like that. Uh, But this is one that that really, really caught me off guard because I couldn't have even suspected it. It's one that in the sports world is something that's interesting. When I'm covering sports, it's interesting to, to say. But as a person that covers sports in the South, Hockey doesn't get a lot of love, much run in general to anything we're doing. So it's this one that popped up and you said it was important. You said it was number one. So that's why I'm making it number one this week. Coming up in just a bit, we will go to the stories at the very bottom of the list this week to show you how much difference it was from this one little hockey story to the very, 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 very bottom of the list. The story to this week topping out the bottom five is listed at 216. So we'll see how low we can go in just a bit here. On the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cliff and Payne, this is for the week ending December the 14th, 2019. The Conversation Project and dot Conversation.com is powered by you. So a simple way to keep things powered is to simply power it yourself. You can be a part of the action by going to our Patreon page and becoming a monthly sponsor at patreon.com slash this is the conversation or buy me a quick cup of coffee. That keeps things going, keeps things going pretty well as well at buymeacoffee.com slash J Cleveland Payne. Another way you can help out is by visiting our sponsors at our website or inside of our newsletters and emails. And one sponsor that we really love this whole month, I love all the time is cloud nine living because vacations are a great thing to give for a gift believe it or not and the best way to give someone a gift of vacation is to give them just flat out cash and you can do that simply with cloud nine living they have over two thousand different amazing vacation excursions for you to check out and you can just buy a simple gift certificate and give it to a friend for them to use whenever they decide to use it and wherever they decide to use it on them, And the coolest part about Cloud9 Living is the way they handle that straight up cash. If you buy an excursion, you buy a package straight out and decide to do something else, you can trade in the full cash value forever for that package. It never loses money. And your gift certificates are exactly the same way. They never lose cash value, no matter how long it takes for you to use one. You buy it now and use it years later, it's still the exact amount of money. They don't take off a couple of bucks every couple of months after a while to keep the amortized. They make sure you keep the experience and the cash the way it should be. And if you help us out by using our link, this is conversation.com slash cloud nine. That's the numeral nine, of course. You get a chance to get a little extra bonus, a little deal on your gift certificate. Save a little money on your full cash value of your gift certificate, which oddly enough, Never loses cash value. This is a gift that can keep on giving and great time to think about as you're running out of time for your Christmas shopping. Uh, This is being released on the 14th. So that means 11 days, 11 days, 11 days until your Christmas is happening. So get on the stick, get things going, get ready to go for your holiday and their holiday whenever they decide to take their holiday This is conversation.com slash cloud9 is your place to get a great deal on any excursion right off the bat or a gift certificate that never loses cash value. Check them out. They'll take good care of you at Cloud9 Living. To offer you contrast in the stories that we give that you say are the tops, we offer you the bottom five stories of the week to show exactly how things line up. And it's not an exact thing, although I just said exactly, but just how things sort of worked out in the week. Starting off the story that we said is listed at 112. Well, you said that because we ranked it that way. Here's the very long and the very clickbaity headline, and I'll get to a little bit of the story to kind of tell you what's going on. The number one job of 2019 pays $140,000, and it's hiring growth has exploited 74%. MarketWatch.com is the place that it came from. We posted it on a Wednesday the 11th, and this got a bumper response difference. That means this one's actually less responsive than the number one story this week by 4,189%. I'm going to read you some lines for this one because this is the only way I can kind of describe It wasn't very well described like a listicle thing. So I'm going to let you know what the job is just by reading the way they wrote it up at the top of the article. Call it higher power. On Tuesday, career and job site LinkedIn released its annual emerging jobs list, which identifies the roles that have seen the largest rate of hiring growth from 2015 through the year. Number one, the list artificial intelligence specialist typically an engineer, researcher, or other specialty that focuses on machine learning and artificial intelligence, figuring out things like where it makes sense to implement AI or building AI systems. Hiring for this role has been tremendous, growing 74% annually in the past four years alone. AI has infiltrated every industry, and right now, the demand for people skilled in AI is outpacing the supply for it. Guy Berger, the principal economist at LinkedIn, tells MarketWatch. More from him. This is the third year in a row related to machine learning or artificial intelligence has topped the list, and we can only expect demand to increase. The pay is impressive, too. With AI roles often commanding six figures, Job site indeed notes that artificial intelligence engineers in San Francisco, for example, raking $120,000 to upwards of $160,000. Sometimes AI roles can garner a pay of $250,000 or more. To go deeper into the article to see what the actual big list of stories are, you have to go to our website and click the link for the list. It's uh, it's really not well written in a listical format for this article. But it really is interesting to see these types of list of emerging jobs because the really weird thing about it is, by the time you know that it's a growing, booming business job, it's right at the tipping point of being oversaturated and too many people are jumping into it so if you want to get to ai and you're already in the pipeline you're probably in good shape if you're looking for a way to go this might be a way to go but keep an eye on the conditions of the market going forward because things do change especially in the job markets these days number 213 this week a very heartwarming story for the week Headline is Salvation Army Bell Ringer finds $1,500 gold coin in Red Kettle. Friday the 13th, that was today, very early this morning as we posted this, a response differential of 6,447%. And this is a simple thing. Of course, the people giving actual change to the Red Kettle campaigns is dwindling. More people are sending via apps or, or doing things that are monthly donations But every so often, someone drops some change into a bucket. I do myself. And a really very interesting thing happened in Indianapolis where a ringer happened to have someone drop a 1915 100 Corona Australian gold coin into his bucket. Um, The guy who was the lucky recipient of that is a guy named James Bond standing outside a Noblesville Walgreens. And that coin worth $1,500. Congratulations to the Salvation Army for the donation and to the kid who gets a very good story to tell his kids on and on for Christmas. Story 214 was posted on Friday, the 6th of December. The differential is 9,469% from the number one story. And the headline reads, the extended headline reads, ex-Playboy model Karen McDougal sues Fox News over Tucker Carlson's segment about alleged Trump affair. We'll read a little bit from the USA Today article on this. It's not much. Well, actually, it is a lot more than you think. But the gist of it goes like this. Former Playboy model Karen McDougal, who claimed to have an affair with Donald Trump before he became president, filed a lawsuit against Fox News in New York State Court on Thursday, alleging the network allowed its host, Tucker Carlson, to make demonstrably false, that's a quote, accusations against McDougal. McDougal's attorney, Eric Bernstein, said Carlson and Fox are, quote, grossly irresponsible and manifested a reckless disregard for the truth. That's his quote. And allowing Carlson to say on air in a December 2018 segment that McDougal extorted Trump for a payment of $150,000 in August of 2016. Carlson had presented what he called undisputed facts about two women, McDougal and Stormy Daniels, who had, quote, approached Donald Trump and threatened to ruin his career to humiliate his family if he doesn't give them money. The host called the situation like a classic case of extortion, and that's where the problem lies. Instead, Bernstein explained the payment had come from American Media Incorporated, AMI, the owner of the National Choir, to suppress a story about her affair with Trump before the 2018 election. AMI said in a 9- prosecution agreement with federal prosecutors that the payments had been made quote, in cooperation, consultation and conceit with the president's campaign without naming Trump. You can read more into this one, but yeah, this is another person suing someone for saying bad things that weren't exactly right. And this is another case of the sensationalism of the news media, not so much the news, in keeping eyeballs on you or your eyeballs on them. And not taking much regard to the actual substance of the stories that are being produced these days. Story at two fifteen reads like this or headline, at least Bezos says country in trouble. If big tech turns its back on the Pentagon, the story is posted on Sunday, the 8th of December as well. So there's another story that lasted a long time. It didn't actually last. This one is the differential of 11,209%. That's how many people didn't care about this one. CNBC is our source for this one. I'll read you a little bit from them. Amazon CEO and founder Jeff Bezos gave a dismal outlook for his nation, for the nation, should say, if the U.S. tech companies decide not to support the Pentagon's war business. Quote, Big Tech is going to turn their backs on the Department of Defense. This country is in trouble. That can't happen, Bezos said at the annual Reagan National Defense Forum in Simi Valley, California. Look, understand these are emotional issues. That's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. This is how we're going to do it, and we're going to support the Department of Defense. This country is important, he added. As Silicon Valley courts a closer relationship with the Pentagon, tech firms have faced backlash for pursuing lucrative Department of Defense contracts. Last year, Google announced it was working with the U.S. military to analyze drone videos by using artificial intelligence. The controversial contract, dubbed Project Maven, caused thousands of employees to protest the initiative. In the wake of the firestorm, Google decided to not to renew the contract upon its expiry in March 2019. To add some personal commentary, this is a case of Silicon Valley and its current boon in the world of running business, not cooperating the same way old school business did with the old military industrial complex. That is the complex that builds up around the military to build stuff for it as a pretty well-paying customer because, there's always a need for it. It may be too much of a need or just a lot of want and extra money going. Silicon Valley folks tend to be more liberal, if you will, and a lot less warlike and not, like, not liking the things that the warring parts of the military tend to do. And so those types of folks tend to not want to be a part of this. However, Jeff Bezos, for however you want to characterize him, is really pushing to have Amazon be a part of military industry and military contracts, so much so that he is suing right now, or at least pushing really hard to sue uh, the administration for denying them a chance of contract, basically because he believes Trump said no. So this is something that we'll, we'll fight, for lack of a better term, for a while, whether the Silicon Valley investors and the thought process behind those companies Will fall in line with the military and its industrial complex in going after more DOD contracts to make sure that they are working hand in hand with the military. And the story at the very bottom this week is listed at 216. It came from Business Insider and it was posted on Friday the 13th, early this morning, so not a lot of time to marinate. Its response deficiency is 12,000. Three hundred and forty percent. And this one's actually we used to call the bottom story the almost relevant story of the week because it's something that gets posted usually late and just doesn't get a lot of time to garner up any attention. And so that is um kind of what I'm seeing for this week's story. The headline is Advocacy Group that backed troops cleared of war crimes by Trump. Now supporting a soldier convicted of Afghan massacre. And this, whether you are for or against those things that happened, is an important story for all of us to kind of keep in mind as we are debating the, 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 both the ways of military justice and the ways of the militaries these days. While celebrating recent pardons of military service members either convicted of or charged with war crimes... The non-profit military justice advocacy group United Americans Patriots announced that the next individual they'll support is Army Staff Sergeant Robert Bales. Bales is currently serving a life sentence without parole in a military prison at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, after he pleaded guilty to killing 16 Afghans while on employment with the Panjar District, Kandahar Province, Afghanistan, on March 11, 2012. The acts have been called one of the worst atrocities of the war. On that night, Bales left his forward operating base alone and killed four Afghans, including a three-year-old girl, he told a reporter in 2015. He returned to his FOB for more ammunition and left again to kill 12 more people in another nearby village. The victims were men, women, and mostly children. But both UAP CEO David Gerfin and Bales' attorney, John N. Madler, told Army Times that though the incident was horrific, they are involved in the case because they believe that Bales was denied his constitutional rights. Gornfield and UAP have argued the larger elements of military justice are preventing troops from getting a fair trial. And that's where this thing gets important to all of us. Military justice is a code that allows for swift and extremely prejudiced lines of penalty because of the nature of the job. That's protecting the nation. And of course, putting on a good front, and I say that not to, be, not to be flipped, but a good front of a good and moral fighting service and force. We all know that there are bad apples in every bunch, and that sometimes that bad apple comes out and spoils the entire bunch. And, and to keep that from happening, you punish the bad apples as quickly and as severely as possible. Unfortunately, those laws don't give people in some cases and in some venues an open trial. That's one of the reasons why all the prisoners from the from these wars in Afghanistan and Iraq have been held in places like Guantanamo Bay off the United States proper, because if they're held in United States territory, they are then owed rights of an actual trial. There you go. That's why they'd have these tribunals outside of the states and not inside of the U.S. in their sovereign land. So this is a story you might want to keep up with. If you want to, you can get the... Early details by just going to our website, this is the conversation.com, and click the link for this week's podcast, which is the course for December the 14th, 2019. Coming up in just a minute, we will give you some shout outs to people. If you're one of them, you'll actually get one. People that showed us love throughout the week on the social media here on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne for the week ending December the 14th, 2019. I brought up travel earlier in the podcast when we talked about our sponsor that we were promoting from our website, that being Cloud9 Living. And travel is something that gets people uh, in very different ways because a lot of times it is based on money and having the desire to maybe do more travel, but not quite knowing how they can do it financially. Here's a podcast for this week that we're spotlighting that might be something to help you out. It's called The Thought Card. It's a podcast and a blog which is hosted and written by a young lady named Danielle Dezer, and she's a financially savvy traveler who is passionate about travel and money. That sounds like a pretty good thing to have if you're looking for someone who to help you out with this sort of thing. From her website, she paid off $63,000 of student loan debt and bought a house when she was 27 and then was able to travel to over 26 countries while climbing a corporate ladder. She did all this stuff working and traveling, and created what she calls an award-winning, affordable travel finance blog and podcast about traveling the world, paying off debt, and building wealth. Um, She likes to empower travelers to make informed financial decisions so they can feel more confident in their ability to accomplish their travel and personal financial goals, and I think you can get a lot by checking her out. Her website is, very simple, thoughtcard.com. ThoughtCard.com, where you can find out all the information you need about what she does, how she does it, and her podcast to take along with you. She will teach you about getting your finances in order and then how to take that money you've saved and produce it to a great vacation on a budget. So check her out. She's doing great things, so we're glad that we found her to showcase her this week. This is Danielle Desur, and she has a podcast that's called ThoughtCard. Find it at ThoughtCard.com or Look for Thought Card or The Thought Card wherever your pods are cast. Let's get the shout-outs and get to closing out the show for today. Shout-outs starting off on Twitter. Of course, if you follow us on TH underscore conversation, you can see the stories coming down. Whenever you like a story, we essentially get some sort of notification that you're there, especially if you are going to reply back. So we appreciate all the responses, all the people being responsive on Twitter, starting off with the Fit Golfer Girl, also the NRQ podcast. Love going out to uh, Karen Hemdahl, also to Eric Bobbs, And Greatland, the podcast, I'm sure. I'm I'm guessing they're a podcast. That's their name in their actual um, description. And Pain in the Pod also popped in again this week. Thank you so much for Pain in the Pod, who we showed in a spotlight a few weeks ago on podcasts that we like. And not just because her name is Pain. It's because she has a very, very cool show. Check it out. Look for Pain in the Pod wherever your pods are cast. Also for the Facebook, following us at facebook.com slash Conversation. Ruth Ann Miller, reacting to great things. Also, My Beautiful Bride, popping in this week, showing some love, what's going on. Sherry Wright, who's not a beautiful bride. Debbie Smith, as well. Daniel Williams. Thomas LaDuke. Uh, Laura Romanoch, who I believe is a newish name. Peter Thiel. Tony Brown and Stephanie Ann. Thank you so much for all you guys for showing us love inside the Facebook as well. This is not a complicated thing. All you have to do is follow what's going on in our feed every single day. And as you see stories popping up, and we do our best to put out the big stories, at least per, per my perspective here in the States. So there'll be some impeachment stuff. There'll be some Trump stuff. There'll be things here and there. But we don't blanket the whole day with over and over updates of the same story. We do as many different diverse stories from around the world, and you tell me which stories are actually more conversational. And sometimes it's a big headline story. Sometimes it's something a bit more obscure. So just follow us along, and if you see something in your feed, like it, love it, hate it, share it, be responsive to it. And the more responsive you are to the story, the higher score it gets at the end of the week. Of course, uh, this thing, as we said, does not get done without you, and there's a lot of things that need to be done to make it work. So, number one, if you want to contribute to the project, if you believe this is worth putting a little effort into, a little effort being a little cash, check us out on Patreon. This is a conversation that has a Patreon page at either com slash Patreon or Patreon.com slash this is the conversation. See how that works. You can give me a quick donation by going to buymeacoffee.com slash JCleveland Payne. Or if you want to talk about advertising and other sponsorship opportunities, just email the show, the conversation inbox at gmail.com. You can also email us to discuss any single topic that we talked about today or any topic in general that you love to get into. And, of course, we can't have a podcast without podcast listeners. So if you listening to this one for the very first time, hopefully wherever you found us, you can subscribe to us. So we're here every single week. We come up every single week. We publish on the Saturday of the week, but we produce it on Friday. So we have plenty of time to get it done. And what we ask is that if you enjoyed it enough to subscribe yourself, you share it with other folks who want to be more conversational. News junkies who want to know more about what people are thinking about. So share it with some friends. Also, find a few enemies to talk to about. And random strangers always help as well. So find random people on the street and grab their phones and subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. That always helps us with the numbers. And they always say something back to you that's more or less a thank you. More or less. At this point, this is where I say thank you three times and wrap the thing up and say thank you three times. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've said it many times throughout the product or process and the program, but this is a labor of love and it's a labor that I love to do and I'm glad that you love being a part of it. So, so sincerely, sincerely super sincerely, and extra sincerely as well, we thank you, thank you. Be here next week for another great episode. We're going to just call it out there like that. We'll tell you what top ten stories throughout the week that you said were the most conversational, you said the most important to you out there, not just what some news producers said were the biggest stories. We'll tell you what they are because you'll tell us what they are next week on the weekly wrap-up with Jay Cleveland Payne, brought to you by The Conversation Project at ThisIsAConversation.com.